The Waters and the Wild A Good Omens Podvik Written by Entangled Now and read by Char They say that you shouldn't go into the forest on the shortest night of the year. It's been a rule for as long as anyone can remember. Do not go between the trees unless you have tribute. Do not step beneath the boughs until you have cause. Do not venture into the dark without good reason, and always come bearing gifts. As far as Aziraphi can tell, no one remembers why. He's unlikely to find himself in such a position, since he's not the sort for long walks in a forest at midsummer. He's content with his books and his buttered scones, and the small building he owns that serves as both library and museum for the village. But he's curious enough over the years to piece together the legends, from books and old stories, from research on the internet, and even from secrets written into the stones around the edge of the forest. So, when Tadfield is at risk, and with nowhere else to turn, Aziraphale collects a basket. He fills it with ripe fruit, fresh bread, and yellow honey. Then adds a small silver hand mirror, some silk handkerchiefs, and a bottle of whiskey. He waits until almost sunset, and then he takes into the forest. He decides on the old ring of stones half a mile in, their purpose and original configuration lost to history. Some are still standing, but most of them have fallen, crooked slabs and chunks of weathered rock, dusted with twigs and leaves and soft moss. He sets the basket down on one and pulls a blindfold from his pocket. He draws it down over his eyes, then makes certain that no light can be seen through it. If you look upon the shape of the forest, you will be lost forever. The forest is oddly quiet, the night air cool but not cold. Aziraphale had chosen to leave his coat behind. I've come to speak to those who dwell here. I have brought gifts he intones carefully. I would ask that you hear my request. In truth, Aziraphale feels more than a little foolish. He has no proof that anything will happen, no matter how many old rules or rhymes he follows. It's likely he'll be nothing more than a middle-aged man in the middle of the forest at night. Sitting on an old rock and wearing a blindfold, a foolish and desperate sort of hope in his chest. A basket that he will no doubt be forced to take home. The trees around him creak sharply. Though there's no wind to speak of, and nothing human moving in the branches. Aziraphale's skin prickles, hair standing on his arms, as the forest around him comes alive in his senses. The previously quite clearing is now filled with life. He can hear the soft sound of fur sliding through foliage. 
of hoofs digging at fresh dirt, and the flutter of many wings slowly spreading above him. Sticks crack and splinter beneath the tread of something unimaginably large, and the rustle of leaves comes closer and then closer, as if the very trees are moving aside for it. The ground shakes. He feels it, even though his feet are barely touching the floor. A rising vibration from beneath, as if something underground is reaching upwards to meet him. He takes a deep, frightened breath and finds the air thick with the scent of fresh soil and summer flowers. When the forest wakes, offer up your gifts in good faith and state your request. Aziraphale is shaking so much it's difficult to pick up the basket, to let the selection of goods he chosen that suddenly feels very insufficient for an entire forest. He'd hoped, of course he had, and the evidence had suggested there was something to the legends. But to have wild and ancient magic proven true. He's feeling a terror and an excitement that he'd never known before. I have, I have brought you these gifts. I'm trying to save the village of Tatfield. The land, the land around it has been bought to. He's not sure how much he needs to say. His voice already sounds thin and wavering, his breathing too fast. It's going to be destroyed. Please, help me. Aziraphale holds the basket out, every part of him trembling. He feels the moment that something reaches inside, touches the gifts he'd brought. He hears the sound of bottles clinking gently together, of fruits being lifted and considered, the gentle whisper of silk through, perhaps, fingers? There's a tap of nails against glass, and then whatever had been examining his offering retreats. A hoof stamps the crowd, a branch creaks, leaves rustling sharply as if a large shape is pushing through them. A crow caws somewhere high above him, then another, and another, so many. A murder of crows circling overhead. Aziraphale can see nothing, and it terrifies him. He can't help but wonder if he's being judged, if the forest looks upon him, soft and aging and quiet, and finds him wanting. The hand that touches his face is thin, and it smells like the earth, the heavy tang of soil and trees and deep, dense fur. The memory of large beasts that no longer roam this part of the world. But the fingers are smooth and gentle. They rest on the nervous shake of his mouth, slide across his lower lip in an obvious caress. He hears something that feels like the deepest purr. 
he gasps a breath at the sound. Because the gift that the forest has chosen is unmistakable, though not something he had prepared for. Aziraphale hadn't known it was even a possibility. He hadn't known the forest might consider him to be the gift, that the forest might wish to enjoy him. The thought has heat filling his cheeks, a splash of red that shouldn't be visible in the darkness, but it still leaves him feeling horribly exposed. It's been a very long time since Aziraphale was desired, since he was touched by anyone else. The hand moves away, and Aziraphale hears the wet sound of something being bitten, or cut, or cleaved in two. The fingers return to his mouth, wet and dripping, to offer something fresh and sweet to the bow of his lips. Eat the fruit of the forest to seal the compact. All Aziraphale has to do is eat the fruit. Eat the fruit and let the forest have him. If he does, then his wish will be granted. The village will be saved. He'd spent years in the city, desperately lonely, growing old before his time. Tatfield is the only place he's ever felt at home. The only place he's ever belonged. If there's any chance that he can save it, how can he refuse? He opens his mouth, lets those sharp fingers press the shape of it down onto his tongue. He tastes the freshness of apple, the sharp, almost ripe crunch of it between his teeth. He hears the long groaning sway of trees, a stamping chorus of hoofs, the tear of sharp claws down bark, and the faint dry slither of snakes across the mossy ground. The forest closes in on him, the breeze full of animal whispers and hungry delight. Aziraphale is too nervous to draw this out. He unknots his bowtie with trembling hands, unbuttons his waistcoat and untucks his shirt. He listens to the rush and chitter and crack of trees, a tense expectation to the sounds around him while he removes his clothing, feeling the cooling night air pricking at his naked skin. The darkness is something of a comfort. He fears that if he were to see what stands in front of him, he would run. If he were to see himself stripped pale and naked for its pleasure, he would lose his nerve. Instead, in the darkness, he carefully unbuttons his trousers, sliding them down his legs with his sensible underwear. He's left chilled and bare, his heavy chest and stomach, and his soft cock exposed to the woods around him. The rock is cold beneath his buttocks when he sits and waits. He can't stop himself from shivering, 
and only a little of that is the cold. He hasn't had sex in a very long time. His body is nervous and tense, and he doesn't know how to ask for this wild and unnameable thing to lubricate him at least, to stretch him, to be gentle with him. Aziraphale has never been very brave. His heart pounds with the knowledge of what he's about to do, the strange and impossible madness of it. He's shaking when the form of the forest moves over him, the heat of it close and stifling, the raw animal smell of it strong enough to leave him dizzy. It makes a low, rumbling sound. It's such a strange and changing mixture of soft and smooth, of scales and fur. It eases him down, touches him slowly and carefully, starting at his shoulders, leaving a slow flutter of feathers across the skin there, a ticklish shiver that melts impossibly into the curl of a long-fingered hand and then the press of something thinner and sharper, which glides carefully across his chilled nipples. He suspects that he's being soothed, that whatever this is, isn't supposed to be about fear. He tries to let that comfort him, tries to relax, sighs out of breath and leaves his hand loose by his sides. There's a heavy press to the curve of his stomach. A strange clacking noise, like hollow sticks being knocked together when it lifts. Air rushing across his body, as if exhaled from some vast animal. Real human hands slide up his legs, leave curious strokes at the wide shapes of his thighs. Then a slow pat to his soft cock. It's almost familiar. It could almost be the memory of a lover's touch. And Aziraphale lets the fear sink into the background. His hands curl on the rock as his thighs are spread further to reveal the shadowed space between his buttocks. The touch moves over his balls and down becomes a gliding and gentle stroke to the warm clench of his anus. He doesn't know how, but suddenly the fingers are smooth and slick, the touch of them liquid and easy. They rub at the entrance to his body, a slow motion that grows harder, more intent, until they are turning down, pushing in, opening him. Aziraphale gives a brief moan of surprised pleasure at the slow stretch. He doesn't know how many fingers, if they are fingers, are inside him, but he feels the way his body is pulled tight around the slippery warmth of them. His legs relax, slowly opening wider in offering, he senses the bulk of the thing moving closer, making space for itself between his thighs. The shape of it feels vast and heavy, but also narrow and shifting. It curves over him, 
with a creak of old branches, unseen claws dragging on the rock beneath him. There's a low, possessive growl as it hunches and spreads him wider. Heat presses between his buttocks, sliding up to nudge his balls, a stiffened thick shaft that drips swarm fluid. It's familiar enough that a xerophile can't help but think that it's a penis. But the shape of it doesn't quite feel human. He's surprised when something clenches sharply inside him at the thought, his own soft cock twitching unexpectedly. The thought that a hungry, inhuman thing is preparing to mount him and find its pleasure in his soft human body shouldn't be appealing. It shouldn't leave him feeling warm and trembling a little at the promise of it. Aziraphale had given himself freely to save something he loved. He'd given himself up to be taken in whatever way this thing chooses to have him. He is spread open and oiled, and at its mercy, and he finds that the thought is perhaps not as terrifying as he'd imagined after all. The forest holds Aziraphale's thighs open, as it blankets him with its ever-shifting body. There is a different texture everywhere it touches. There's what feels like fur against his chest, feathers to the curve of his stomach. The hands that hold his thighs feel like rough bark but the shape between his legs has the rasp of smooth scales, and when he reaches out for something to hold on to, he finds the soft tickle of new leaves. It waits for him, blaring hot breath across his face, the shadow of it immense. I'm ready, Aziraphale says quietly, a high and nervous note of anticipation to the words. There's a moment of burning pressure against his anus. The push is gentle, but it's constant, and he feels his whole stretch open around the thick, jutting head. It's so big, almost too big as it sinks deeper, leaves him struggling not to tense against the intrusion. He tries to bear down on the thickness of it, his thighs drawn up and shaking. It's been too long to be taken so quickly and so deeply, but he's groaning determination, his toes curling, his body opening reluctantly for the slippery push. He can feel the throb of feet inside him as he's filled, endlessly. His cock thickens against his stomach. He feels light, shaky and delirious at how unbearably full he is. He is spread and pinned to the stone while it joins them together, the pleasure sharp and raw and sweet. Perhaps the reckless, hungry thing is him. Please.
please, 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 he begs softly, unsure whether he's begging for the forest to go slow or to give him more. Aziraphale reaches up and is surprised to find the long stretch of a naked body that's almost human. The texture's some strange mixture of skin and scales. A tangle of wet hair sways with every movement of its hips, and he finds himself reaching up higher, finding a sharp face that curves into his palm. A low rumble of what feels like surprise left against a stretch of his fingers. Yes, it's all right. Take what you need. Aziraphale feels the vibrating hiss of pleasure on his skin. He means to tangle his fingers in that hair, but instead he finds horns. No, he finds antlers. The mass of them stretched upwards and then separate, curving into branches and jagged prongs, some hard and smooth some thick and rough like bark. When he grasps for the body again, he finds feathers instead of skin, wings instead of arms. They are soft and deep between his fingers, where he grabs for a hold as he's gently filled, over and over again. Oh, you're so lovely, he moans out. A hand touches his face in turn, the fingers ridged and thin, the nails sharp like the talons of a bird. He kisses the length of them, and the whole forest creaks and cracks and throbs around him. Hands or talons or claws grip his waist, and the thing between his legs is suddenly much heavier. The tickle of fur on his inner thighs, the ripe scent of animal musk and pollen, so strong he can taste it. Aziraphale is dizzy, his whole body jolting under the sweet pound of pressure to his prostate. The tight hot stretch of his arsehole is a sting that leaves him moaning. The pace is quicker now. The body he's holding feels like bark, the spaces between filled with moss and something softer, something with more give. Mushrooms, perhaps? A forest. A whole forest inside him. The thought forces a breathless laugh out of him. He should be ashamed of the stiffness of his own cock the sticky, drooling head, the erotic bounce of it on his stomach, as he's pulled down onto the organ inside him. Its true size and shape is a mystery, but Xerophil is sure that he shouldn't have been able to take something so large or so wide into himself. He shouldn't be able to feel the quick in and out thrust of it without pain. Instead, he feels raw and open and well used, oversensitive to the air, to the sounds and the smells around him. So much of it feels like pleasure, 
boards tight and aching, where they sit above the steady rhythm of its last. He can hear the stamp of hoofs in the dirt every time he's entered, every time his body shakes, his heavy chest, belly and thighs moving under the power of a much larger form above him, his naked skin damp with sweat, wearing scrapes from bark and claws. Aziraphale feels everything in the darkness. He feels owned, he feels possessed and worshipped, indulged like a lover. And the moment he thinks it, his whole body tightens, squeezes down tight on a burn of pleasure, feeling the shake of his thighs as he comes untouched across his own stomach, the blissful wet spill of it on his skin. The forest buries itself all the way inside him, and Aziraphale feels the whole world crack open. He can taste dirt, fresh fruit and blood. He can hear the chittering rush of insects and small creatures inside the trees. He can feel the way the wind tugs and pulls at his branches, and the dragging pull of the ground beneath, a fathomless depth of dreaming dark. He can feel it feeding him, gripping him, and he grips back, digs deep, sings a wordless song. And then he feels the pulsing spill of something inside his body. It's hot and thick, and it feels like it goes on forever, while he pants on the stone, feeling the tremors of his own orgasm and his brief glimpse into the life of the forest. The thing inside him withdraws slowly, and it takes a moment for his body to realize it's empty. The forest leaves him on the stone, sweating and damp, his legs spread, fluid leaking from his stretched and stinging anus. The night around him is cold, his nipples pebbled, his panting breaths turning cold. He thinks for a moment that it will leave him there. It had taken its gift after all. But instead, the forest returns to him with a blanket of fur and feathers. It cleans him and feeds him bread and honey from the basket, traces the taste of them from his lips with sharp fingers. It even shares the whiskey, which is too strong for Xerophil's taste, but he tips the bottle laughing, hoping to find whatever passes for a mouth, or a beak, or snout or soft, mossy tree hole. To hissing, cawing, purse of amusement and delight. He tells the forest secrets he's never told anyone. He tells it about the people of the village, about his tiny home filled with words and history. Eventually, he is redressed with heartbreaking care. Three taps are given to the blindfold, and the world is silent. The sun rises.
It turns out the land around and under the village is unsuitable after all. Too many barrows of archaeological significance, too many forgotten mines and areas of unstable geology. An endangered species is discovered in the forest, and also a certain sort of rare and expensive mushroom. Aziraphale reads the discoveries with some amusement. The forest overpaid its debt, he thinks. Two months later, there's a new arrival to the village. He says his name is Crowley, though he doesn't say where he's from. He's a tall and striking man, with long legs and red hair. He wears sunglasses to hide an eye condition, and spends long afternoons looking off towards the forest at the edge of the village. The crows tend to follow him, and he has a pet snake, though no one ever sees it when Crowley is around. He greets Aziraphale like an old friend, or a lover. Aziraphale invites him inside for bread and honey, and maybe a shot or two of whiskey. The taste has grown on him. The End